0: Hello and welcome.
1: Welcome to Kaylin Harrison. Won't shut up. Woo!
0: <laughs> On this, the third episode of our podcast, we will be discussing the made for not TV version of Stephen King's It.
1: AKA the one that just came out in 2017 and that is a film.
0: AKA Andy Muschietti's It. It, it. Yay! About Pennywise the Clown.
1: Can I again just issue into the record that we only did one Harry Potter episode and here we are doing another episode of it. So is that fair? I believe so. I don't know. Anyway, so um, we just recently, we've both already seen this film, but we just rewatched it to get a sense of the film so that we could be fresh in our brains. It was especially interesting to watch it right after we rewatched the miniseries.
0: Yes, so they are
1: pretty darn different. Yeah, pretty darn.
0: Yeah, I'll say.
1: I want to say, just starting out, I had said to you when we were talking to our friend Amanda mm-hmm. that I thought that they were of the same caliber, the miniseries and the movie. And now that I've rewatched both of them in succession, I disagree with my previous
0: statement. Okay, and that's because
1: this film is a lot better. Than the miniseries. I agree. And it also has the benefit of not having that crappy ending yet, so there's potential here.
0: Mm -hmm. And there's also potential to actually get into the mythos behind the creature known as Pennywise. Yes. Um, I think that the movie is awesome. I think that um, initially I thought that it wasn't that scary, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So as a horror, like a traditional horror film, I wasn't... I was kind of let down initially, but having watched it for the third time, um, I do think that it is a very successful retelling of the book. It's very close to the book, with the exception of a few things that have been changed. Um, And I'm not like a book elitist by any means, but I think that the things that were changed um, definitely made it more palatable for the screen uh, and maybe like 2017. Granted. Granted. Um, I really liked the way that, um, the kids interact. I think that the biggest takeaway from the book is that it's about youth and it's about like the way you experience trauma as a child. And, um, I think the film really taps into that and it also taps into the relationships that the kids had with one another, which I really appreciate. Um and as I said previously I think it's really important that even the parts where Pennywise is goofy or like it's comical and not really quite as jarring I think that interpreted through the lens of childhood understanding or like fear of whatever element Pennywise is um, Pennywise does take on childhood char- or childish characteristics like the popcorn like the way that Pennywise talks to Georgie from the sewer grate, um, even to the very end where he's doing the dancing number, which is kind of absurd, but at the same time it makes sense because like Pennywise is trying to act like a child because mm-hmm. Pennywise, the entity, is very childlike.
1: Well, I am not one of those people who thinks at any moment Pennywise, and this is the miniseries, you know, Tim Curry in the miniseries and then Bill Swedish last name in this new one, um, I don't find it any less disturbing when it's goofy, especially considering the whole idea of what's scary about a horror clown is the perversion of something that's supposed to be silly. So if he's being silly, I don't think it's less scary. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a question about the mythos that I'm interested in and this movie made me think of. Um, is he is his form on earth always a clown? No. Okay, can you also, agree?
0: it's to be um, argued that the entity is not necessarily a he.
1: Okay, granted.
0: Um, like, it's yeah. actually... So I think in the book, basically, the closest they get to seeing its true form is a series of glowing orange lights. Mm-hmm. And... The human mind can only comprehend... The closest thing the human mind can comprehend to seeing its truest form in the book at the very end is a, is a spider-like... Cricket. Uh, entity that <laughs> is laying eggs.
1: Like a cricket.
0: Well, like, yeah. So it's questionable as to whether or not the entity is genderless or not. Well, great.
1: I guess what but I people actually...
0: People say Pennywise and like...
1: Think of a clown.
0: Right, because that's um, a mechanism that it uses to attract children. And it's been around for centuries, which is why in this film version, the depiction is not necessarily a 90s colorful clown like in the miniseries.
1: Yeah, it's more of a clown that you would see now. Um, can we talk a little bit about clowns in current events and pop culture? Because I think yes. if I was someone who didn't hadn't already seen the miniseries and wasn't already aware of it as a franchise... I, I would assume this film was coming out much like all the other wonderful clown masterpieces we've watched. Such as Clown Town. Hashtag Clown Town. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, the newest season of American Horror Story, which features clowns. Um, what, like, has, just, have we always been afraid of clowns? Is that the implication here? What's up?
0: So I had this conversation with someone recently, and I don't know that... I think the obscuring of one's face via face paint Mm -hmm. is a disturbing... Like, as as people who recognize people by their facial traits... Yes. To obscure part or whole of it Mm -hmm. is, like, initially disturbing. And that's why horror capitalizes off of that. Yes. Um, I think that in terms of clowns, I really believe that the miniseries in the early 90s is the reason why is it colorophobia whatever it is the fear whatever of the wo- the word
1: that means fear of clowns yes
0: i think that it was a catalyst for that because so many young i mean so many millennials grew up being scared of this movie yes and even generation x i mean cuz they weren't that old i was like 90
1: they weren't that old when yeah. it came out yeah
0: um so i think it it hit at a point in time where you know it had the ability to make a lot of people really scared of Mm -hmm. something quite silly um, or something that is perceived as quite silly yes Um, but that being said someone tried to say that we've always been afraid of clowns because of you know like John Wayne Gacy um, oh yeah and serial killer taking on
1: now, did he dress up as a clown or did he just like to paint clowns? What was his deal? He dressed
0: up as a clown.
1: That's gross. Um,
0: and he, it's how he met a lot of his victims. Okay. Through pretending to be a clown. Did, so but did he did not lure them, to my knowledge, he did not lure them anywhere as a clown. So he just was a clown as a profession to get to know these kids and where they lived and their... That discount. must
1: have been in Stephen King's mind, though, when he wrote It.
0: I think it had to have been. Yeah. But I, I also have read in interviews that he just said that he was he thought clowns are really creepy so i don't know
1: how could he possibly (laughs) even know what he was thinking when he wrote it as we discussed in the last episode Yes,
0: true which was several weeks ago not 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 yesterday it Uh, was (laughs) uh uh. uh yeah i don't know uh i don't know i really believe that this miniseries had a lot to do with the amount of clown fear that there is because it was like right before the internet was really big Mm -hmm. um it was made for tv so there was a larger audience than a movie Mm -hmm. and kids had access to watch it with like without letting their parents know yeah whereas if you went to a movie theater you would have to to some degree hypothetically your parents would know you went to see a movie
1: theoretically yes Um,
0: about a clown that was rated r it would be harder to get into yes Uh, not for tv And I think a lot of people stumbled upon it in that way. It was very organic. And I think that that's part of the reason why the fear um, is there, you know?
1: Uh Uh-huh. So let's talk about, I think, the best part about this film adaptation. And that's the, the people they cast, the child actors, are all amazing.
0: Yeah, they're great.
1: They're all perfect for the roles that they ended up with. The kid from Stranger Things is hilarious. Yep. And even more so, the kid who plays Eddie... Is the funniest kid I have ever seen on the screen. Oh, yeah. Period. It's good. And, good. as someone who works with children, that's how children act. Yeah. In this movie, that was the most realistic depiction of children I have ever seen. That mm-hmm. age, like, about to hit puberty, Yeah. assholes to each other mm-hmm. kind of kids. Yeah. Incredibly realistic.
0: Yeah, they definitely got the camaraderie right, in my opinion. Um, And the changes that did occur from the book, I think, in terms of the kids, are really good. Like, I'm happier that Richie wasn't using, like, derogatory racist accents the whole movie, (laughs) to be quite honest. Um,
1: Can we also, though, then talk a little bit about how it seems... It feels like Mike's race was erased in this adaptation.
0: Yes, it definitely does. Um, And I don't know...
1: It didn't seem so in in the miniseries. Yes. Uh, the the main bullies, Henry Bowers and the other bullies, are very clearly targeting all of them, but they're targeting Mike because of his race, and that is very evident from the racial slurs they use, mm-hmm. um, and just the way they talk about him and they talk about their parents that their cl- parents are clearly feeding him this racist kind of. Um, uh, background, you know, and yeah. they're using that against Mike. In the movie...
0: Well, also, in his his parents were targeted. Yes. And it's alluded to the fact that his parents were targeted in the movie, but in the miniseries, um, I don't know that it's... I don't recall ...mentioned that. at all, no. but it's very specific in the book.
1: Yes. But in this movie... Okay, so then that's interesting because this adaptation, this film adaptation that just came out, does discuss that his parents died in a fire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, do they go into the reasoning why there was a fire
0: it's briefly alluded to when henry bowers attacks him in the basement um at kneeball street that he had something or his family had something to do with the fire mm-hmm. um i i've already forgotten the specifics of what you said Then we literally just watched. This. yeah but <laughs> it's alluded to yes in the book it's clear that his father had something to do with his dad's nightclub the black spot being burned down because it was a ma- uh, majority black club mm-hmm. and then white people started going to it and then that's when the town sort of didn't like um the way it was going and so they a group of people locked the everyone in the club and burned it to the ground mm-hmm. um and that was henry bowers dad yeah so it carried on to henry bowers as a child who tortures his um dog and kills it and leaves it for him to find Um, But in the movie, it is largely... Mike's character is largely erased, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. And there's rumor, you know, I don't want to get too far into, like, what's going to happen in the sequel, because we'll probably do an episode about that, too, but... But it doesn't exist yet, so we can talk
1: about
0: it. it. Yeah, it's rumored that he's going to become a drug addict, and that's how he discovers how to kill Pennywise. Okay. Which I think is even more damaging to the character. I just think... He had such a rich character, it's really weird they gave it to Ben Hanscom, who already has his own...
1: Has his own storyline and point. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. even... In this film adaptation, his father being in the military, does that not come up? No. Ben? So what is with this weird way that they've changed those two kids in particular? Because everyone else seems to be pretty much faithfully adapted. Yeah. But for some reason, they really messed with Ben and Mike's storyline.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I've read some theories just because of the timeline and when mm-hmm. it's taking place in the '80s instead of the '50s um, or '57, I guess, whenever the original. Mm-hmm. I think that they tried to make it more. I don't even know.
1: I don't either because my first initial thought was, so they're not verbally attacking Mike for his race. They're not using the racial slurs that they use in the miniseries and. I wondered if that was supposed to be some sort of implication that this wouldn't be happening in 1989.
0: But of course it would. That's kind of the feeling that I got. And of course it would. The other feeling I got is that um, the director wanted to stay far away from contemporary, like, current issues that are happening in the U.S., and That's... That by ignoring them, they wouldn't be compared. But I think it's like back it backfired. For that me. definitely,
1: because I feel like removing that, it just makes it more glaring. Mm-hmm. To me, at least, this is yeah. a small rural town mm-hmm. in Maine. In Maine, in the whole, you know, New England, I feel like is a pretty white area. Oh, yeah.
0: And you're one of the few people of color in the film.
1: Yeah, and the fact that that wouldn't be addressed at all.
0: Yeah, it's just very odd. Yeah, that is definitely a letdown.
1: Um. And I I'm disappointed to think that we're not gonna get the next movie where it's Mike who brings them all together, as he does in the miniseries.
0: Oh, that's I think that's still happening. Okay. I mean that's my understand. That's see yeah my okay. biggest issue with that is that Mike is the crux of the story. Mm-hmm. He's like for the most part the I wouldn't say narrator but like he's the glue that holds the entire story together in the original in the book. Yeah. And certainly in the miniseries, you really see how he's the one that did it. You know, he's the one that kept the candle lit, you know? And now, yeah. um, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sure that's still going to happen. Um, but it really, it really is like a injustice to his character mm-hmm. to remove the historian aspect. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, any other
0: and also the race aspect because it really just downplays the severity of his relationship to the bullies. I mean, mm-hmm. the bullies didn't feel very the bullies didn't feel near fear, bleh, feel nearly as threatening. Yeah. In this film as the miniseries and certainly the book, they removed, and maybe that's why I don't know. Like maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe they're like we need to t- downplay because we're it's a two and a half hour movie. Whatever. Maybe we need to downplay. These certain aspects, mm-hmm. and it will justify the downplaying of these other aspects because they did target Ben specifically. They didn't target Beverly at all. Yeah. And in the book, they do.
1: Uh, and in the miniseries, they do.
0: Right. And they didn't target. Um, they didn't go after Richie nearly as much. Mm hmm. Because they do go after him a lot in the book. Yeah. So it is interesting the way that they downplay that, but I think maybe that has something to do with Mike's character because he wasn't in school with them. This, this He was homeschooled in this version yes um i don't remember if he's homeschooled in the book but i don't believe he is Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. um the the uh transition though the henry bowers character kind of losing his mind and killing his own father i really believe that in this film though there's something about the way again they all of the child actors they got for this film were great including the ones they got for the bullies Mm -hmm. that kid who looks like draco malfoy included ha vic every time <laughs> but anywho, um,
0: he's definitely a Slytherin. He,
1: that is Slytherinist of you. And as a Slytherin, uh, you should be offended by yourself. Now, uh, I I bought it though. When he kills his his uh, dad with the the knife that Pennywise sends back to him, mm-hmm. that I bought like crazy. That just yes. seemed yes. Um, you also while we were watching this knew a lot about cool easter eggs can you maybe talk about that a little bit
0: sure yeah um so one of my favorite easter eggs in the film is in the library scene when ben hanscom is reading about the history of dairy in the background there's an older woman who first turns very slowly and creepily and stares over his shoulder and as he flips through the pages of the book she gets closer and then Finally, he sees the head of a child uh, from the Easter egg disaster. That's a big uh, story in the book, which they gloss over in, this, in both adaptations. Um, there's a head of a child in a tree. And then he closes the book and then turns around and she's gone. And I just really like how Pennywise... It's very clear that Pennywise is always watching them in this film. Mm-hmm. And the Easter eggs just sort of amplify that. But I also think... Uh, parallel to that, they do a, a really good job of alluding to the turtle. And they don't talk about the turtle at all, which I think was a budgetary uh, restraint I've read. Um, because Andrew, or Andy, uh, um discussed how he really wanted to have them have... So they have a clubhouse in the Barons in the book. And okay. this is the main... I would say the main setting for the book is the Barons, where they all hang out. Um, it's where they build the dam which is in the miniseries but not in this one Um, and it's where they all kind of come together as friends and really learn to understand one another Um, and they end up doing a ritual that they read about in a book uh, thanks to I believe it's Mike but it might be Ben actually Um, they read about a ritual where essentially you smoke out a clubhouse with fire and you all almost die like you hallucinate and it allows you to it it allows them entry to like a part in their brain that is not normally
1: that sounds like it would be very traumatic to mike
0: to all of them
1: but mike's parents died in that way
0: in the movie not in the book oh his parents are alive in the book his dad dies of cancer much later um but yeah they killed them in the movie i don't know why um i don't think it strengthened anything except really the meat locker scene with Pennywise
1: which is spooky spook
0: yeah totally spooky um, but I think um, so the, anyway they get high essentially um, because of lack of oxygen uh, in this clubhouse and then they they discover how to defeat Pennywise or it <clears throat> and so that's left out and that's a big thing that he wanted to include and I guess there were restrictions they wouldn't give him enough money to do it so I think he's doing it in part 2 but it, it, it reveals to them that it thrives on fear, and that's how you defeat it. But ultimately, you have to engage in a ritual called Chud, um, mm-hmm. which is a battle of the wits, essentially. Um, where, I mean, I can't remember the specifics, but I feel like you have to like bite each other's tongues or something. And... The turtle guides them to figure out how to defeat it.
1: You can't see in this podcast, but I just gave Harrison a very, very, very wide-eyed look when he said, <laughs> "Bite each other's tongues."
0: I think it's tongues. I could be wrong. Okay. Um. Here, I'll look it up.
1: Knowing about some of the fucked-up stuff that's in the book, uh, they probably are bite- They're probably biting each other's tongues off. I like how what you got is the like housing. Anyway. What is the ritual of chud and how is it used to what?
0: Well, let's talk about it. So...
1: Thanks, Stephen King Wikia.
0: Yes. The ritual is a psychic battle in which the two forces duel with their wits. The children believe the metal silver has supernatural abilities, as seen in numerous monster movies. Because the children believe it, it becomes real, and it is a chief weapon used in the ritual. Because Beverly Marsh is good with a slingshot, which was totally left out of the film version, they injure it the first time when Beverly shoots a chunk of silver into its skull. The group thinks they killed it, but they can't be sure, so they make a pact with to return to dairy we already know about all that this is yeah, not really describe. no
1: it's not probably because it's weird and creepy and no one wants to remember it um separate from the it, this is just talking about what it is they're not talking about any of the smoke um weird smokehouse stuff
0: yeah it's kind of left out of the wiki thanks a lot
1: thanks for nothing stephen king wikia Ooh, this is like an actual essay that someone wrote on Yahoo Answers.
0: Yeah, so good job, y'all. You're doing <laughs> God's work.
1: Uh, this is a, this, That's literally copied and pasted from the Wikia on this q Well, I think this is maybe a good segue um, into talking a little bit about why... I'm a little confused as to why Stephen King would write a book about a bunch of 11-year-olds and have all these weird, strange, I like adult fantasies, like things that you, I just can't personally conceive of why a grown man would want to put 11-year-old kids through these things, like not putting them in danger, you know, or having them have to face traumas, which is totally like valid and granted. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us who have childhood trauma can understand why we would want to have the catharsis of children getting through that. But I'm talking about specifically them doing drugs um and then that very sh- like doing drugs? drugs in terms of the fire. It, oh. it, you like you said they get high to figure this out.
0: Yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm explaining it wrong. I think that they just they're on the point of passing out from lack of oxygen. Uh-huh. So it's less of like a drug thing and more of like a an
1: oxygen sensory deprivation sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Maybe I said drugs incorrectly. Well, no,
1: but I understand what you meant. But I feel like with the context of then the later scene in the book, which is thankfully not in either of the adaptations, where um, they have sex with each other, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just sort of like, well, then, of course, maybe they're, you know, doing all sorts of weird stuff. And I just don't really... They seem to be these little strange things that... Ruin the idea of the book for me personally, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't like the idea of especially the scene at the end with Beverly, yeah, um in the sewers. I don't it why did a grown man write that Harrison?
0: <laughs> I cannot answer that um <laughs> and I know that we've talked about this extensively.- mm-hmm. I know that he has said he would not he wished he had not written it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: But he kind of said it in a way that was like, there's sensitivity to, to these things now. Which I think, there's he- always been sensitivities to these things. And it's, there was like a very tactful way of handling mm-hmm. their bond being yes. made. I think the movie did it great. Yeah. When they sliced their hands. Like, yeah, that's... It feels way more...
1: And there's a tactful way to acknowledge that this is a group of boys and one girl. And right. and they're all going through puberty. Which is, again, in the film with the scene where they jump into the water. Yeah. And I think that's done tastefully. Mm-hmm. There's um, plenty
0: of instances in which it's done tastefully across cinema and in text.
1: Steve, and we talked about this again too, but Stephen King seems to have some problematic views on mm-hmm. sex. Yes. And he also doesn't tend to really take things back like you mentioned so he says he wish he hadn't written it but he implies that he only wishes he hadn't written it because people are sensitive these days right which makes me think that he's like oh the millennials are so sensitive they're so snowflakey yeah
0: i mean it's hard to say i don't because i only read it i didn't it wasn't like an audio interview i don't know the tone but Mm -hmm. it very much seems like what you're describing
1: because this, this is where, Michael, if you're listening, which he probably isn't, I'm going to be honest. But if you're listening, Michael, <laughs> I acknowledge that we fight about Stephen King all the time. Because I'm still mad about what he said about Mia Farrow, which he also didn't really apologize for. No. Look it up if you would wish.
0: Mm-hmm. It's messed up. And Stephen up. King, if you're listening. What's please, wrong with you? Yeah, no. what's wrong with you, first of all. But also hit us up. We'll do an interview.
1: Seriously. Because I'm a lady person who would like to talk to you about some things.
0: I'm here to support you yes (laughs) Um, over Stephen King
1: over Stephen King oh thank you thank you Harrison Um, (laughs) again if Michael's listening that wasn't a slight at you I love you babe (laughs) (laughs) so did we figure out the ritual of Chud it looks like you figured something out
0: Uh, the ritual of Chud was a way the Native Americans fought a monster this is according to a him online. Bill and I didn't, Bill and it didn't actually bite down on each other's tongues. That happened existentially.
1: Or on the soul level.
0: It was a test of wills. The first time Bill essentially willed it to bring him back from the macroverse. That injured it severely because it wasn't accustomed to having it being dominated. The second time, Bill's will wasn't strong enough due to him being older, so Richie had to step in and help. Once they both proved their wills were stronger, it once again was in bad shape. This time, the adults took the further step of killing its physical body.
1: Um, biting uh, biting down on soul tongues is yes. maybe a cool punk band name. That's true. Soul tongues. Also,
0: the ritual of Chud. Not to be confused with the Chud film from the 80s, which is campy as hell. <laughs> Um... There
1: is a punk band named Pennywise. That's
0: true. Whoa. Maybe we should interview them too.
1: Okay, Pennywise, hit us up. Yeah. We'll do a joint interview.
0: That's true. (laughs) Pennywise and Stephen King next time on the podcast.
1: Oh, we pretty much guarantee it.
0: Yeah, so make sure you stay tuned.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: so, as its own, as its own standalone film, Mm -hmm. this movie and the storyline and all that, I think that it did a very good job. Um... Telling the first portion of the story. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how they include them in the second half. I am too. Um, but I hope I, they
1: shoot it soon so that these kids can be in well, it. Well, they're
0: still writing it. Okay.
1: Well, they need to hurry up. Because yeah, Because children age.
0: Yeah, it's true. Well, with CGI, we can do anything.
1: Though. No, I don't like what you said. That was <laughs> dumb.
0: <laughs> um, speaking of CGI, I was not a big fan of that in this movie.
1: Winners are... I will be honest with you. I, uh, I feel like most of this film... Relies on its practical effects over its CGI. I was even telling Michael after we watched it that the only really, the only thing in retrospect that jumps out at me as being something that was CGI was when. Tell me. (laughs) Is when Pennywise is approaching uh, Eddie in the house and Eddie's arm is broken or maybe it's about to be broken. I forget. And he's got that weird Doug Jones kind of putting his body back together. Yes. Crinkling like the robot,
0: but other than and that, that part, I actually didn't mind.
1: other than that, I'm not because I feel
0: like it was used simply.
1: Okay, so then which is the, what is the CGI you're talking about that you didn't like?
0: So a few parts, and the reason that it stands out to me so much is because it's right at the beginning mm-hmm. when he um when he is in the sewer grate and he bites on Georgie's arm. Okay. Um, I think that CGI is really bad. I think the CG uh, when he, I already talked about when he motioned forward to the camera.
1: I don't think you did talk about that.
0: Okay. So when he jumps forward and attacks, I really don't like the way that looks. I think it looks really fake. The dance, and it, it ties into the dancing portion at the end too. When, um, he's like goofily dancing in front of that backdrop, which I think might be practical. They just added some post effects and post to it.
1: Just to make that the freeze on his face. Right. A like his bit more.
0: face stays um stationary and mm-hmm. his body like gyrates. A yes. Like and how it, a chicken It looks really unnatural, which I guess I understand what he was going for. I just don't think it worked that well.
1: And I think so this is this director, what's his name again? Andy Machete. He directed Mama mm-hmm. of what I really like that film. And I think that Pennywise has movements that remind me of Mama. And I think that might just be a stylistic thing for this director.
0: Maybe, yeah. Yes. I can see that.
1: I need to talk about my fan cast. I've Please, been waiting God. this whole time. So just Lay it upon in us. In case you don't know, a fan cast is a casting of an f- upcoming film by a fan. Mm-hmm. This is what their dream would be. Yes. To be cast. And so I made a fan cast mm-hmm. and for the kids as grown-ups, the seven of them. And I'm going to... and Losers I Club. I've been holding it secret from Harrison because it's very secret. Now, my first one is, I think, again, my weirdest mm-hmm. one. But I think it works. Hear me out. Bill. Bill, kind of the main character. He's the one whose little brother Georgie dies. Get ready for this, Macaulay Culkin. What? Okay. Why? Uh, be- well, I think he has the look. Okay. And also, I think of Macaulay Culkin as someone who is kind of like a tragic person. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Bill's character has. Okay. And also, to be honest with you, my real train of thought was that I was thinking about the idea of having the kids, who were the, the now adults who were kids in 1990 filming mm-hmm. the miniseries, Coming back and reprising their roles as the adult. You said someone maybe had mentioned that in some sort of a forum. You. Yes. Yeah. I like that idea a lot, but I thought about the kid who played Bill, and you said that he. Um,
0: committed suicide. He committed
1: suicide, mm-hmm. so that's very sad.
0: Yes. And, well, yeah,
1: and when. I. Sometimes I just. You know, Macaulay Culkin seems like one of those kinds of child actors who kind of keeps coming back from the brink.
0: Yes. And. I don't know. I have not seen him in anything as an adult I haven't either. That is very dynamic.
1: I haven't either, but that, I mean, I believe in him, Harrison.
0: I do too, but I think all of his roles, so Saved, Party Monster, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure there are others that I can't think of off the top of my head, but uh, he's um, sort of effeminate, um, meek characters mm-hmm. that he's playing. Yes. Um,
1: Which I think works for the Bill character.
0: Maybe I just don't think Macaulay Culkin has a history as an adult of playing any, like, sort of tough characters. And I think Bill becomes that. Like, With he, a ponytail, though. Well, oh, yeah. But I'm saying, <laughs> like, in terms of his attitude. Yeah. Like, the attitude of the character itself. mm mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'm eager to hear the rest. Then,
1: okay, but do you have a fan cast for Bill?
0: I really don't. There um, you go.
1: See, so you're one. To I, talk. D-
0: I do know that I don't think the child actors should return in any heavy capacity because they have not had careers since this film, and I really want a. I really want good well, actors to play. in this. Spoiler
1: alert: one of my fan casts, one of the seven, is a returner, and you don't get to guess who.
0: Okay, next. Ahem.
1: Now for Eddie, who, as I mentioned, side note:
0: I love. Um, what. I. I really do like Macaulay Culkin. I just don't know that. Granted.
1: Okay, well, again, so Macaulay Culkin come on our next episode with Pennywise, the band, and Stephen King. Yes, all three. Yes. Now, uh, for Eddie, who was so funny in this film, and I loved his character so much, I have picked Andy Samberg.
0: Oh, my God. Andy Samberg? What you talking?
1: (laughs) Okay, so the kid is so funny. Andy Samberg is... Uh, The funniest adult actor I can think of, he's hilarious, and I think... As Richie. No, as Eddie.
0: As Eddie. As
1: Eddie. Huh. Yeah. Think about it.
0: I'm thinking.
1: I think he's got that look. I can see it. Thank you. Um, Okay. He's a good-looking man. I'm a big Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan. Do you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine?
0: No, I don't know Okay, well... I just don't like his like SNL character.
1: It th- I don't know what you're talking about, and it doesn't matter. You need to watch Brooklyn Nine Nine. Don't okay. look. Did you see? I'm not looking. Okay. Next. All right. Next. 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 Next is Richie. Okay. And this is my one, where it's the child actor from the miniseries. It's Seth Green.
0: No, he's too old.
1: What are you talking about? This he's is too old. this picture is from 2011, so he's only a little bit older, six years.
0: Yeah, he's not supposed too to be old. like 30. No,
1: there's supposed to be 40. Uh,
0: 20, yeah, I guess you're right. Actually. Ha! I don't know. I don't. No. I think, I don't perfect. want any of them to come back. It's perfect. Someone else needs Seth to Green. His, his, hold a candle to it. Seth Green. I don't think he would be, I don't think he was a good Richie.
1: What are you talking about?
0: I don't think he, would, I don't know.
1: You don't know what you're talking I, about. I,
0: <laughs> so for me, I think nostalgia has to be kicked aside for the adult cast.
1: Okay, so then do you have someone in mind for adult Richie? No, heard, you don't. <laughs> I've heard
0: Bill Heater. Header. I don't say even know name. who
1: that is.
0: I think he might be. Good. I don't no. know. I don't have. I don't have someone in mind necessarily, but I also don't want it to be a really, really wildly popular and successful actor. I think Seth that, Green
1: is not. He's almost a recluse. Like he barely makes films anymore. He's, he's robot chickening all the time.
0: Insanely famous, though.
1: He. I wouldn't use the word insanely. I would. All right. So Seth Green is. Okay, Going to come on the podcast next time. Yeah, with,
0: we'll talk it out with him. With and,
1: Macaulay Culkin. Well, they were
0: in Party Monster together, so it's perfect.
1: Really? Well, yes. then there you freaking go, Harrison. You're freaking welcome. Now, for Bev. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: Lily Rabe. Boom.
0: I don't know who that is. Okay,
1: she's in American Horror Story. Oh. So calm down. I'm not mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love American. I Men's don't know story. anything
0: about that person's acting, but it doesn't matter. Just look, look at like her it face. Be doesn't okay. so yeah?
1: But also, she's good.
0: at... She kind of looks like the adult actress. From yeah, she
1: does. Right.
0: That was Bev in the original. though. But that's
1: a that's not a bad thing.
0: No, not necessarily.
1: Okay, my first thought was Kate McKinnon, but I've never seen because I kind of sometimes I get this uh, sense of a Kate McKinnon esque presence in this girl who's playing young Bev. Okay. But I don't. I have that problem that you have with Macaulay Culkin, where I don't feel like I've seen Kate McKinnon be anyone other than Kate McKinnon.
0: Right. I also. So I think it's it's not uh, Dallas Bryce Howard. It's. Oh my God, who is it? Is really good friends with this director. was in Mama?
1: I don't. I have no. I have no.
0: It's not Jessica Chastain. It's. Oh. Whatever yeah. her name is, mm-hmm. is she has expressed interest in playing adult Beverly, and I think he wants to cast her as adult Beverly. All right, well. So that one might already be cast. Maybe he
1: needs to look into Lily Rabbe first. Maybe. Okay, and also I don't know if I'm saying her last name right. Speaking of not saying last names right, and this one's not even a difficult last name, I just, you know, sometimes phonetically words are hard. Yeah, totally. So this is my fan cast for Mike. Tell me. Boom. This is Chadwick. Oh. Boisman? Bozeman. Yes. Boseman. Yes. Again, not a difficult word to say. I just don't know how to say. I've never heard anyone say it out loud. Mm-hmm. So he is, if you recognize him, the Black Panther. Yeah. Current Black Panther. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a similar face shape to the Mike in the movie.
0: And he's a really good actor. And
1: he's a good actor. And look how serious he is. And
0: he's not that well-known.
1: No, he is. Well, I like. he's, I mean... People know him. They know him if they...
0: Beyond yeah. beyond that one role.
1: The the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they don't yes, know him. beyond that role. Yeah, so I think he's perfect. Also, he's like the exact age, because I looked it up. Because at See? first I thought, is he too young? But I looked it up. No, he looks good. Yeah. Okay, oh my god, no, this is the one you're going to have the most problem with. Oh no. Here we go. <laughs> this is Stan. This is my fan cast for Stan. Stan. I know. So also, this is with the knowledge that this Stan is only going to be an adult in it for a little bit. Very briefly. But I picked this one because I think he looks like the grown-up version of the Stan in the new adaptation. The cats are running around in case the listeners are... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Here's my (laughs) fancast for older Stan. It's Blake Anderson. Oh, my God. From Workaholics. I'm not joking. I thought a lot about this one. In fact, I even originally... You can see on my piece of paper and don't look at the last one. But for for uh, Stanley, I thought Sam Andy Sandberg, and then I was like, no, oh, I want Eddie saying. to be Andy Sandberg. They're all saying Andy Sandberg for Stan.
0: Actually, I don't know, I forgot.
1: Well, I thought about it, and no, Blake Anderson.
0: Okay. Because and he
1: looks like him. I think he can. This would be like his first role as not the guy. Well, not the first role, but the first role he would be maybe known for as the guy from not the guy from Workaholics. And I don't know, I just think you could do it and I want to see it and I like this guy. Okay. Boom. The end. Okay. We're not the end because we have one more character and it's Ben.
0: Or is it Pennywise? No, it's
1: Ben. Okay. I don't care about Pennywise, I'm going to be honest with you. Plus it's it's that guy. It's Bill Swedish last name.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um okay, so Ben originally I was thinking Seth Rogen. Okay. I really was. I was thinking Seth Rogen.
0: Seth Rogen.
1: Seth Rogen, like you know who I'm talking about. Yes. Okay. But I changed my mind. You don't know who Seth Rogen is. He's Googling it right now. You are going to be pissed at yourself when you Google this. I know who he
0: is. I just need to see his face. Okay.
1: Because that's Seth Rogen. Harrison didn't remember who Seth Rogen was. I know who he is. Mm -hmm,
0: mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. But I changed my mind.
0: I have a hate crush on him. Go ahead.
1: Okay, granted. And I changed my mind. And now my choice is Chris Pine. Mm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) Yep, James Tiberius Kirk right there. Boom
0: for Ben. For Ben. Okay.
1: Because just look at this guy. First of all, what a man!
0: I look I at hate him so much. I
1: even kind of <laughs> picked a picture of him where he looks kind of stupid. He's got that stupid haircut, and he's still perfect for Ben.
0: I don't. I think he's way too ripped for Ben.
1: What are you fucking talking about? <laughs> I almost censored myself, and then I changed my mind. What are you talking about? He's too ripped for Ben. I don't. Ben think... grows up and gets like fit or whatever. Mm, That's... I
0: wouldn't say fit.
1: Okay. Uh, He's not
0: like a bodybuilder. Okay,
1: so I know that Chris Pine is not Method actor Jared Leto, but oh, I'm pretty sure that it. Chris Pine could gain Jared a little sh- bit of weight.
0: Jared Leto should play nothing, Pennywise. <laughs> nothing and nothing. <laughs> he should play every role. Chris Pine. In the sequel.
1: I had other reasons why I picked Chris Pine, and now they're like somewhere on the moon because I'm just like looking at this picture of Chris Pine being like,
0: mm
1: hmm. Have you seen Chris Pine in. Um, What, hot American Summer?
0: Yes, of course.
1: And he's great, right? He's amazing. But that's a comedy. Okay. So you think Seth Rogen, the also comedian, would be a better person?
0: I'm not saying that. Okay. I actually think he might be too silly for the role, too.
1: I don't think Chris Pine is too silly. I mean, have you seen the Star Trek reboot?
0: He also exists in the horror universe already. As who? Wasn't he in. Cabin in...
1: Was he in Kevin in the
0: Woods? In the Woods. No,
1: I don't think that's him. I think that's oh, no, another that's, white boy with blonde Thor. hair. That's Thor. Oh my God. even It was another Chris you were getting him confused with. That's really I'm sad. A that w- that's Chris Helmsworth. I don't even know. It's Chris <laughs> Helmsworth. Well,
0: I don't have a celebrity
1: uh And look how well I cast. Put, look how well I I love your.
0: That's a lot Mike, of work. My collage. That that. I, I'm going to be really excited to see everyone's reaction to it online.
1: They're all going to be like, wow, I guess I love, Kayla I love
0: that you considered... Um,
1: the casting director. Yes. Macaulay
0: Culkin, because he needs work. I would love to okay, see work. Yeah, out.
1: I think everyone on here needs work. Just kidding. Most of these people are very, very wealthy. And beautiful. And successful.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, all right. Yeah. Okay, great. So...
0: So there you have it.
1: So, you know, stay tuned for when this movie comes out, and these are the seven people who are hired, and... Uh, I don't know. I feel like everyone's going to owe me something because I'm the one who put this
0: into the universe. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to start paying you right now. Yeah. Here.
1: I bought that for myself. Thank you. He just handed me vegan jerky that I literally bought for myself. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So
0: sorry, these episodes are longer, but I'm also not sorry because I really (laughs) love it. And I am really excited about the next one. And I just bought the book to read it again. Um...
1: And I'm gonna to continue to not read the book mm-hmm. because I read that one part.
0: Yes. And I feel disturbed. <laughs> uh, how do you rate? How do you rate? Oh, my rating. This is.
1: I'm four Kayla's out of six. Okay. Because it's subjective. True. There's no way I like this more than you do, because of what we've established I about just how you're sexually attracted to I can't, I can't to give plans. it. Oh my god! I can't give it
0: <laughs> six out of. I can't give it six because it's certainly not perfect. I can't give it five because Mike's storyline being erased is uh-huh. really problematic for me. Yeah. Um, yes. Can and I... It, and, it's, and it's not super scary. I think they could have done more mm-hmm. uh, subtle shifts to make it scarier. So it just I'm occurred to
1: me that a, a four in, out of six is like a 66%, which is like a D. And I don't like that. So I'm going to go back up to 4.5. Because it doesn't deserve a P, a D. This film would pass my class.
0: This film would get an A from me, but it would not be 100.
1: Okay. So you're talking about like a 5.5.
0: Okay. Yeah, but it's not... Six is just like the best film ever made. And I don't think this is the best film ever made. I don't even think it's the best horror movie ever made. Um, Okay, fine. I just think it's uh, so integral to like... uh, Yeah, anyway. Forget that. We need Um,
1: to to just commit. We need to commit. Okay. All right. We're going to say it at the same time. Our things. So four. Uh, Okay. We did it.
0: Okay. I gave it a five. I gave it a four. We're done here. Yeah! So, if you like this podcast, you should listen to our other two. One of which is also about it.
1: Because here we are.
0: Yeah. Because Harrison's attracted to clowns. Oh my god. If I'm attracted <laughs> to clowns, you're attracted to owls from Harry Potter.
1: Uh Yeah, sure. Ooh that's actually weird. No, I'll okay. go back.
0: Okay, buy Kayla <laughs> owl things and send them directly <laughs> to her house.
1: Actually, I would love that. Just not weird owl things.
0: BDSM Owl Toys.
1: No, what? No, that's not exist. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we gotta go. That's it for for Kayla and Harrison. Won't Won't
0: shut. Shut Uh, up. Subscribe on iTunes, like us, and we'll talk to you soon. Harrison has sex with clowns. And Kayla has sex with owls.